The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Jesse Day, you're like a big ginger sausage and nobody listens to you because Brit is awesome. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 442, if you can believe it, of I Doubt It with Dollamore, and I am, if you can believe it, your host, Jesse Dollamore. I am joined today, as I am always, by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, and equally tired, Brittany Page. Equally to me, I mean, not equally to your scholar. You know. <laughs> Okay, um, I see that you are feeling somewhat fatigued after the five podcast episodes that were recorded last week. Yeah, just a lot of, you know, look, I don't want to whine. I, you know, I got the the greatest gig in showbiz, as it were, even mm. though I'm not in fucking showbiz. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's just a lot, of, a lot of writing, a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviewing, a lot of preparing, a lot of reading, a lot of videos, a lot of editing, a lot of... I know I'm whining about something that, you know, it's I'm in a super awesome privileged position to be doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make me less tired, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing that. Yeah. Well, I have been waiting for an opportunity to... Um, talk about this like super profound thing that I came up with it's not super profound but um I think what it's are, really profound wh- where where are we well, what just, are we doing just relax because um <laughs> just relax something happened in the news that perfectly allows me to talk about it it just led me perfectly to this place where I'm gonna talk about it but you know the red delicious apple. Uh, the red delicious apple thing again. Do you know about the red delicious apple? No, I don't know about the red delicious apple. Well, after a five-decade run, it's no longer the number one apple in the United States. Why would the red delicious apple be the number one apple? It's really in the, the United worst States? apple. It's not the worst, but it's certainly not the best. Okay, golden delicious is probably the worst. Go- um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not the best. Very mealy. Do you want to guess which apple has uh, overtaken the Red Delicious apple? I can in... only tell you what apple is my favorite, and that is Fuji. Okay, that is not number one. Or is it Fiji? No, it's Fuji, right? Yeah, it's Fuji. Yeah, Fuji. 
Yeah, that is not number one. Well, then this this quiz or this this poll or this whatever is fucking wrong. <laughs> no, it's... Because it is the number one apple. No, it is correct. And it is the gala or gala. Yeah. Whatever. That's a good apple, too. Yeah, that is now the number one apple. There's just so many fucking apples out there. Yeah, there you got is. Honeydew or Honeycrisp and... and Pink Lady. There's so many different kinds of apples. That, that, and really, a lot of them don't even... They just have a different name. They don't even fucking taste different. That's a fact. Um, In my mind, that's a fact. I don't think that's how facts work, but... <laughs> it's not how facts work. <laughs> well, it's actually how facts work for a lot of people. Yeah, but. that's true. Okay, so anyway, back to my profound apple um, story. <laughs> Quote, unquote, uh, yeah. profound. Uh, here we go. Um, so growing up, my mom only bought Red Delicious apples and sometimes Granny Smith apples. Oh, yeah. Because I loved Granny Smith apples. And so I thought that those were my favorite apples because those are the ones that my mom always bought and we always had in the house. So deep red and green. Th- yes. That was it. Yes. Yeah. And now... I only buy pink lady apples because those are my favorite apples. <laughs> and my profound thought is super profound. Get ready, guys. Quit saying it's profound. Well, I'm really trying to drive it home because that's, not prepared. that's what convinces people. <laughs> um, no. So this is this is a small thing. It's just apples. But I feel like this is how it works with a lot of things that we grow up with, including our political beliefs and religious affiliation, where we're only exposed to the things that our parents like or oh, our parents yeah. prefer, our parents' preferences no, and our there parents' is, There beliefs. is some profundity to this. And I had no idea that there was another type of apple that would be my favorite apple because huh. I was only exposed to those two kinds of apples. Yeah. And without exploring and venturing out to experiment with all the different types of apples, <laughs> I would have never discovered that I have an alternate preference than that of my parents. An affinity for something uh, other than those. Right. And I think that this is what traps people a lot of times in their um, preferred beliefs is that they don't have the opportunity to branch out or talk to someone else and they're just kind of inherited. So I know we talk about this subject a lot, but I was like, oh, I can explain it using apples. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I'm the worst. I, um... I grew up in a Granny Smith household. You did? Yeah. And uh, I really didn't like apples for a long time because They're those sour. fuckers are too sour. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's why I love the Fugees. <laughs> are you sure it's not Fiji? It's F U J I. No, Fuji. Okay. I just, I don't know. Fiji it, is it, the water. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So you're getting stressed out so, for no reason. I don't know why, but I certainly I, I I rebelled against the 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 Granny Smith household that that I was raised mm. in in more ways than one. Yeah, in, in many more ways than one <laughs> in my my Trump Granny Smith household. Yeah, well, you don't like sour things, so that would be why. Eh. I do like sour things. You do, mm-hmm. most certainly. So, with that being said, all of those profound thoughts <laughs> and metaphors aside. We do have some listener communication, both about the NYU professor, the female feminist NYU professor 
who was suspended for a brief time or is in the middle of a suspension, possibly, for her sexual harassment of a male student. And we we, we, we got an email about it. And it also is going to lead us into another bit of communication relative to the Catholic Church. And then a discussion. And also some follow-up about that very topic. Okay. Proceed with, with whichever you choose. Well, you made the choice for Malay. me. And you made the opposite choice that I was going to make. So, <laughs> this is from Sarah. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I wanted to comment on the feminist sexual harassment scandal at NYU. Unfortunately, this does not shock me in the slightest. A couple years back, I worked at a domestic violence and rape center, and on occasions, we would get male survivors coming forward, mostly through hotlines. I treated the call like any other and provided them with standard service because it doesn't matter what gender you are, anyone can be a victim of sexual violence. When one of my coworkers found out what I was doing, they reported it to our manager, who brought me into her office, and she proceeded to give me the riot act about wasting company time on these clients. At first, I was very shocked. This is a person who I respected. She was one of the first employees at the shelter when it opened, and she has done tremendous work in the community. But according to her, quote, male victims are an oxymoron. I tried my best to respectfully push back against this bullshit, but I was very, I was a very new employee and she was a pillar in the organization. I think this is similar to what's happening at NYU. Some of these professors who signed this ridiculous letter are titans in the feminist world. It seems like some of these individuals firmly believe the role of victim solely belongs to females. The notion of set gender roles and sexual violence goes against the foundational principle of feminism that genders are equal. Growing up in the shadow of the female liberation movement, I was told that women can be anything. They hold any position. Apparently that notion is limited to strictly positive attributes and fails to recognize that females, like males, are flawed beings capable of horrible things. I find this behavior of enjoying positive attributes of the feminist movement, but failing to accept the consequences of equality, enormously irresponsible and extremely irritating. They are so out of touch with reality that they claimed sharing similar nationalities excused Ronell's behavior and used her career as a shield for her actions. Get the fuck out of here. If your defense <laughs> if your defense comes straight out of the sexual predator's playbook and resembles any action taken by Harvey Weinstein, you're doing something wrong. What's most irritating to me is the fact that these women who engaged in this hypocritical behavior will most likely not have to face the consequences of their actions. These women have the luxury of living in a feminist-friendly environment. These actions ultimately hurt those of us who are stuck in the heart of Trump land and are forced to interact with moronic Trumpers on a daily basis. These martyrs of masculinity blame everything from the fall of family values to economic problems on feminism. All these feminists have done is hand them ammunition to be used in their next testosterone-filled tantrum. Guess I'm taking a Facebook hiatus for the time being. Thanks for being my pseudo-therapist. Love you guys, Sarah. We love you. And I don't know that I could have said it any better myself. Um, it, it is interesting when she says that... Um, that they're taking a, a page right out of the the sexual harasser, sexual um, violator handbook and get the fuck out of here. And I I'll take it a step further, and I'm just saying something that she's already said here in her own language, that they're, then these defenders of that woman are taking a page right out of the 
uh, defender of sexual harassers and sexual violators playbook. They did the same exact thing, and it's despicable. It's short-sighted. It doesn't do the cause any good at all. So I think the most important part of Sarah's email to me, or just what stood out to me, given what's been going on in the news lately, was the part where she talked about um, only strictly positive attributes being attributed to women Hmm. and that the movement kind of fails to recognize, according to Sarah, that females, quote, like males are flawed beings capable of horrible things. Yeah, sure. And you saw this happen with Asia Argento. So Asia Argento was one of the or is one of the leaders of the Me Too movement with Rose McGowan. And she was Anthony Bourdain's girlfriend, and she was raped by Harvey Weinstein. She came out and said that she was raped by him. And she became a leading figure in the movement. Yeah, sure. And then I believe it was last week, uh, an actor named Jimmy Bennett came out and said that she had assaulted him in a hotel room when he was 17 and she was 37, mm-hmm. I believe. And this happened in California where the age of consent is 18. And she paid him. It was somewhere around $350,000. So to, a pretty substantial amount. To be for his amount. silence. The same thing that happened with the Harvey Weinstein thing. Yeah. So at 380000 is what she paid. So um, it came out that she paid him. She had to respond to this. She said that he was having financial difficulties. And that her payment to him was like a kindness and uh, that it helped and get him out of a jam. And she kind of put it on Anthony Bourdain, right, who isn't around anymore to speak for himself and said that it was his idea and that he thought it would be best to just make it go away and pay him and then have him go on his way. So that was her statement. She denied all the accusations. Then the next day, texts surfaced that were allegedly between her and, and an unnamed person until today, when Rose McGowan named the person. Um, Rain Dove is their name. They're a model and activist. Mm-hmm. And they were texting with Asia Argento, and she revealed that she had been receiving nude pictures from him since he was 12 years old, and that she never... Wow. That she, I didn't know that. That she never took any action on that, told him to stop... There was just no response, and she admitted to having sex with him. Also, in these text messages. Again, bringing us down to the ground level here, this is a woman who starred in a movie with this kid when he was like nine years old. Yeah, she played his mom. Yeah, so she's known him since he was prepubescent, a, a young, young boy. Mm-hmm. And then, however, that relationship develops. It developed into something where they were having sex before he was an adult. That's no good. Allegedly. So. Allegedly. So Rose McGowan at first came out and said, okay, these allegations need to be treated with care and we need to respect the victim, but we also need to have due process, right? Uh, Yeah. And now, today, she released like a a lengthy statement. Um, Who, um, Rose McGowan? Yeah. Okay. And Yashur Ali posted it on his Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And she said to Asia Argento, quote, be the person you wish Harvey could have been. Yeah. 
So pretty powerful. Basically telling her, like, own up to what you did, come clean now, and let justice take its course. And I think that I've, I've been seeing articles where they're saying, oh, look at this. One of the leaders in the Me Too movement is accused. What does this mean for the Me Too movement? Well, I think it means the same thing that it's always meant, because I think that movement is for everybody. And like Sarah was getting at here, it's not just women that are victims. Men are also victims. We saw that with, I believe it was the Ohio State wrestlers um, who came out and said that they were abused. Men are also victims. And part of what the Me Too movement, I think, should be advocating is that everyone has a voice, that everyone can come out with their allegation have it be heard, also have due process in these situations. So Rose McGowan did admit in her statement that she was forced to, because this hit so close to home, grapple with that, that maybe she had been too quick every time an allegation came out to say down with this person. Yeah. And that now that it was someone close to her, she kind of is taking the opportunity to evaluate how she's behaved in the past and maybe change going forward. Again, as Alistair said one time, she found her empathy after she found her tragedy in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, she's finding empathy for others now that, oh shit, someone I know now mm-hmm. is very well a uh, a victimizer. Right, well, and you had some people saying this statement, quote, believe all women. Right. Yeah. Like regardless of anything, you just believe all women. And what if what if someone were to take that and apply it to Asia Argento's denial of having had sex with Jimmy Bennett? She hasn't officially come out and confirmed this. Right. We're just going pictures of her laying in bed with the kid. Right. We're going off the picture. We're going off the text messages that are allegedly between her and Rain Dove. And so she hasn't come out and denied it yet. Right. Or admitted it yet she she hasn't responded to the text messages being released right but she has been credibly accused i think we it's fair to say that she has been credibly accused right and so if her statement where she denied it is a lie based on this new evidence you can't just believe all women right it, it wouldn't be right to believe her because then what about jimmy bennett who's the victim here yeah who at 17 years old had a 37 year old woman um, sexually assault him in a hotel room after giving him alcohol. Yeah. So. It really is. It's Listen, we're all human with our, our foibles and our strengths and our interests. And to blanket say, believe all X without weighing the evidence, is, it's just not, uh, it's not fruitful. It's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to say that, you know, it should be said that two things can be simultaneously true at the same time with regard to where does the where does this leave us with the Me Too movement. It can be true that Asia Argento was raped and victimized by Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. And it can also be true that she victimized someone as well. Yes. It doesn't take away her victimhood. It right. just or adds, anyone else's. It just adds a layer of complexity mm-hmm. to this entire situation. A, a shitty layer of complexity. Yeah. But facts are facts if these are facts. Right. And we need to deal with them on their own um, merits. 
Yeah, well, people don't like nuance on the internet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is true, Brittany They don't Page. like in-depth discussion or analysis on the internet. I also want to say... Sarah in her email was kind of getting at this idea that women aren't like treated as complicated creatures that can do things wrong. And that part of the feminist movement is trying to get at that recognition that they can be just as complicated as men. And I read an interview with Patricia Clarkson, who stars in the Sharp Object show on HBO. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to give any spoilers because I didn't watch it. But um, <laughs> I think we watched two episodes. <laughs> yeah. In, in the interview I read, she joked that there was such a dominant female force on that set that the men would show up and they would joke, oh, the girlfriends are here. That, oh, yeah, that yeah. their role wasn't central to the plot and that the women were really the stars and they were very complex characters. And so they had this opportunity to kind of step out of like the girlfriend role and be these very complex female characters. What You mean like real life? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, like real life. Exactly. And so I think that that's starting to happen more and more, but it, but it is kind of a slow trajectory. Yeah. So thank you, Sarah, for the email. Beautiful. We appreciate the, the thought and your experiences that you bring to bear. Um, much appreciated. On to the next. This is from Artemis. Hello, dear Jesse and Brittany. I want to share my story with the Catholic Church. I will try to keep it brief. I am a victim of the Catholic Church. I was preyed upon as a young, insecure, low self-esteem, awkward 14-year-old. Eventually, I became pregnant. I was called a liar, kicked out, and fired from my after-school job at the rectory. I was made to feel that I was a Jezebel, that I was to blame. I was terribly sick with the pregnancy, and so became a high school dropout. I lost my dreams and hopes, became a single mom, became stagnant, a robot, just going through the motions, pretending and creating a facade of normalcy. A couple of years ago, I came to the realization that I am depressed and sought help. Due to the horrible insurance and low income I was pointed to, guess who for services? Catholic Charities. After my second visit, where I opened up about what happened to me, I received a call where I was basically told they can't help me. I'm trying to wake up from this, and it's been strange, like being in a coma for 30 years and looking in the mirror expecting to see a young teen girl, but the reflection staring back is a hard-looking 45-year-old woman. I don't say my bedtime mantra please don't wake up over and over again till I fall asleep as much anymore. Suppose that's a start. I've been trying my hand at poetry and find it therapeutic. I've added one at the end of this email, which I think sums up my inner thoughts and feelings. Hope you enjoy it. Your podcasts really brighten my days and thank you for sharing yourselves. You are both truly amazing people and you're both the best part. Love Artemis. Wow. Um, I am glad that we can be here in some small way for you. I'm searching for, for words to say. I think it's best that I understand that I don't always have to offer comfort. But just know that we, we feel deeply for your victimization, your situation. I cannot imagine having gone through something like that. But know that you are loved by many. 
so I do want to say that we did read the poem and that yeah, it thank you for that. It was very powerful. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I think that if you were to share your writings, I don't know if you have a blog or if you would feel comfortable putting it on Facebook, maybe like for, you know, putting privacy settings on and maybe only like showing it to personal friends or something like that. Um, I think it, it might be powerful to get like feedback and support as well on your writing. Um, but I'm happy that you have found something therapeutic for you to do outside of therapy. So you said you have horrible insurance and uh, low income, and we're not sure where you live, but just to kind of refresh what we've talked about in the past about counseling, um, if you look for sliding scale counseling centers, just Google sliding scale low income counseling centers with your city and search around and see if there's anything. Um, typically, sliding scale will allow you to attend based on your income. So it can be as low as like $5 a session. Mm -hmm. um, very affordable. S sometimes free. Yeah, sometimes free for sure. And also if you have a local college or university that has students that are training, you can also check with their counseling center or even if they don't have students training in the counseling center and they just have a counseling center for students, you could even call them and see if, if they will take you. Um, but there is absolutely no necessity to rely on the same organization that victimized you for support. It's just not necessary. No, especially not when they call you and tell you that they can't help you after you reveal that you were abused by their organization. Um, and this is kind of what we've been talking about with the Catholic Church. This is unacceptable. Um, turning this listener away because she revealed that she was abused by the organization. We can't help you. That's unacceptable. There should be more effort, more resources put into treatment for victims yeah. of this organization. It's continuing a harm is done. And rather than try to clean up the fucking mess they made, they continue to twist the knife. They continue the harm done. That's not the goal of a righteous organization with moral authority in our society. That's what you would expect from some for-profit business. No pun intended here that it's a church, but that's what you would expect from some heartless corporation. Not from a religious organization that claims to have a stranglehold on right and wrong. Anyway, thank you, Artemis, so much for your story and, and being uh, open enough and willing to share that with us and the audience. Um, Brittany and I appreciate it very much, and I'm, sh I'm certain that the audience does as well. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Uh, there is a little bit of follow-up on the story of the Catholic Church and the most recent report from the Attorney, Gener the Attorney General's office in um, Pennsylvania. And that is that the, the former Vatican ambassador has now called for the Pope to resign and indicated and claimed that the Pope knew about this. 
The Vatican's former ambassador to the United States is calling on Pope Francis to resign. He released a letter claiming the Pope knew five years ago about alleged sex abuse by an American cardinal and did nothing. Seth Doan is at the Vatican tonight. The explosive 11-page letter likens the Catholic Church to a mafia and suggests a conspiracy of silence that extends all the way to the top. It was penned by Italian Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, once the Vatican's top official in the U.S. He claims that in 2013, he personally told Pope Francis about sex abuse allegations involving then-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. But the pontiff ignored it, allowing the prominent cardinal to serve the church for another five years until he resigned amid a sex abuse scandal this summer. Io non dirò una parola su questo. I will not say a single word on this, the pontiff said, when asked by CBS News about the letter on Sunday's papal flight. Monsignor Anthony Figueredo called Vigano's letter an earthquake for the church. Let us be clear. If the Holy Father knew about Cardinal McCarrick on the 23rd of June 2013, as Archbishop Vigano claims, and did nothing about it, then it's serious, as the Pope himself has said. Pope Francis has called for zero tolerance for church leaders who cover up sex abusers in the ranks. Sean Doherty says he was abused by a pedophile priest in Pennsylvania. He says Vigano's letter only further erodes trust. It is obvious to us that, that the church is incapable of, of handling this mess. Uh, look where we are now today. It's it's just it's like reality TV right here in real in real time. High profile cardinals and church leaders are slamming Vigano's letter as untrue. A colleague of Vigano's from his days at the U.S. Embassy has reportedly said his statement is true. And now, Nora, at least two U.S. bishops have called for a wider investigation. All right, Seth Doan in Rome. Thank you so much. And it just keeps on going yeah the, why, the unfortunate what motivation would this guy have to lie come on the unfortunate thing for the catholic church and people in positions of power including the pope is that the track record is not good yeah and i mean there's been a pattern a very consistent pattern and so this lines up with that consistent pattern that we have seen for decades and that's really the problem here. Yeah. Well, it's, now, it's hard it's, to believe what Pope Francis is saying, although he didn't deny it. it so It's now nearly impossible for him to deny. You know, you can't go from I'm the zero tolerance Pope to I will not say a single word about this. You owe it to Catholics everywhere, Pope Francis. You owe it to the world to decent human beings with morality written on their hearts to answer this claim from this archbishop. It's not some victim with an axe to grind guy. It's the archbishop, the former ambassador from the Vatican to the United States. And for the Pope to say, I'm not going to say a single word about this, Fuck you, dude. Well, what the Pope should be saying is, okay, they are talking about now opening up new investigations into this. I fully support that. That's exactly, yes. I support any and all investigations into the abuse crisis because we need to expose all of the rot and we need to remove it. 
I fully ex- I fully support that. That because should be what his response is. If there's nothing to hide, open up the books, brother. Yeah. Open them up. 100%. Especially being an organization, again, that claims to have a stranglehold on morality, on moral authority, mm-hmm. on right from wrong. Come, come on. You know, what's fascinating to me is I see people commenting and reacting to people who are posting about the Catholic Church abuse crisis, and they will say in response to these people who are enraged and comment on their anger. And say, oh, could all of your anger really be helping the situation? Listen, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. That's right. There are children that are being raped and abused and it's being covered up. And then they write them a recommendation letter, the rapist, to go work at Disney World. I mean, this is... Yeah. How can you not be angry about this? Listen... You, How can you shame someone who's angry yeah. about this? Go ahead and use your measured approach... When dealing with raped children, you know, because I feel fine and very comfortable with my righteous indignation, my anger, my fury, I'm fine with it. Because you know what's not going to change everything? A metered approach when faced with child rape. As always, we're going to continue to follow this story. Hopefully, it does find a an equitable end. Justice is found for the thousands of victims worldwide. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Clayton. Clayton. Nelson. Nelson. And Gary. Gary. Well, now that we have a Gary Patreon supporter. We can't say creepy Uncle Gary anymore. No, I always say racist Uncle Gary <laughs> on a real racist yeah, Uncle Gary. Yeah, you had a real racist Uncle <laughs> Gary. But I can't say that anymore. I have to choose a new name. Otherwise, I'll be maligning this beautiful Patreon supporter. Yeah, right. Can't have that. <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know. I have to brainstorm a new name brainstorm a new name there are billions of names (laughs) yeah but i have to brainstorm a name that is not the name of a person that is so generously supporting the i doubt it with dollamore podcast yes there's probably still billions of them (laughs) you know what quit acting like there's no issue here there's a substantial issue you know, we are. This is an ever-growing family of supporters, and we appreciate you guys. God damn. It, it is, seriously. It is a beautiful, heartwarming thing, and we appreciate that you seem to appreciate what we're doing here, helping us produce the show. Uh, it is um, just spectacular. Mm-hmm. So before we get to all of the amazing happenings in the political news world, I wanted to talk about a study that I stumbled upon, and it's related to the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm, One of my favorites. Yeah. So uh, for those who may not know, the Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias that basically explains this phenomenon of people who have like little knowledge actually mistaking their knowledge um, or cognitive ability as being greater than it is. Donald Trump! 
baby. <laughs> I don't control the drops. So that was Jesse D with the perfect. They drop know at the who ready. controls the awesome, sweet ass drops. Okay, perfect. So I, I was just completely fascinated by this. So um, these researchers, let me give their names so they can have some cred. Uh, Matthew Moda, Timothy Callahan, and Stephen Sylvester. This was published in Social Science and Medicine. And the title is Knowing Less But Presuming More, Dunning-Kruger Effects and the Endorsement of Anti-Vaccine Policy Attitudes. It was published oh, yeah. in August 2018. So this is really new. And I actually found this through our listener, Marcus. Um, he posted a blog that wrote about it. And I went and looked at the study and I just thought it was fascinating. So here we are talking about it. Marcus, by the way, not a dumb guy. <laughs> not a dumb guy. That is correct. Definitely not. So this was a survey of U.S. adults. It was uh, 1310. Okay. That was the number of people, 1,310. Mm. And Is that what 1310 is? It is. <laughs> okay. And they tested their knowledge and attitudes toward vaccines and autism. Now I'm just going to go through these results. Seriously. If whatever you're doing... <laughs> relax and listen to this because okay. this is fucking remarkable okay so the researchers found quote that 34 percent of u.s adults in the sample feel they know as much or more than scientists about the causes of autism 34 <laughs> percent know as much or more mm -hmm. than scientists about autism. About the causes the of causes autism. The causes of mm -hmm. autism. Sli Come on, man. Slightly more, 36% feel the same way about their knowledge re relative to that of medical doctors. Okay? So that they know more about the causes of autism than medical doctors. Yeah, wow. They also found, quote, strong evidence of Dunning-Kruger effects in the sample. 62% of those who performed the worst on our aut on their autism knowledge test believe that they know as much or more than both doctors and scientists about the causes of autism. Oh, you almost had it. You got to be quicker than that. Compared to only 15% of those scoring best on the knowledge test. Okay? Likewise, 71% of those who strongly endorse misinformation about the link between vaccines and autism feel that they know as much or more than medical doctors <laughs> about the causes of autism compared to only 28% of those who most strongly rejected that misinformation. Good so, Lord. So this is really disturbing, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the people who actually scored poorly on the knowledge test... Right. Actually having to give their knowledge. Do they have the knowledge or not about the causes of autism? It's measurable how much they know. They felt they know they knew more than scientists and medical doctors about the causes, even though they don't. Empirically, they do not. Yeah. It's just a fact. They don't have the facts correct, <laughs> but they think they do. And they think they know more than yeah. scientists and wow. medical doctors. And this is really disturbing, and I think we see this a lot online all day long, and this is really getting to the heart of the problem that we have yeah. with discussions in politics right now. You know what I know more than doctors and scientists about? <laughs> Not very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we can, we can all only do our best, right? We can yeah. all only do our best because we're all knowledgeable in some area yeah. we, we know a lot about some area but we don't know a lot <laughs> like in-depth knowledge about a, 
uh, many areas. That's right. Right. It's difficult for that to be the case. You would have to dedicate. It's impossible. Yeah. You would have to dedicate your life to just reading and studying constantly. And we all have to watch The Sopranos sometimes. So. (laughs) Which, by the way, we are rewatching right now. That's not just out of the blue. But this also speaks to kind of the contempt that certain segments of society has for expertise and experts. Certain segments? And feeling like... You can't tell me that guy doesn't display Dunning-Kruger effect on a daily basis. Yeah. Come on. And feeling like they know more than experts, but not only that they know more than experts, but that experts are worthless or provide no value and we can't learn anything from them or they're corrupt and they're elitist and who cares? And this is really, this is described perfectly in The Death of Expertise, a book by Tom Nichols. If you're interested in this kind of thing, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's a good book. It can be a little snooty at times. You mean snooty like not wanting to come on the show when you get invited? That kind of snooty? (laughs) Well, that happens a lot. So I guess there's a lot of snooty people out there. Um, But yeah, I thought that this, this study represented an important phenomenon but also it speaks to something we should all recognize which is that we probably have this tendency we don't probably we all have this tendency to overestimate our knowledge in a certain area and it's always good to just kind of keep yourself in check you know let let me say this I, i think i think the more you actually know the more you question what you know Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, you are someone, and it drives me goddamn crazy, that you know so much about things, and the more that you've gotten to know, the more you are reticent to share your knowledge, to, to, to... Share with the world. That is 100% true. What is some of you that I would consider your expertise? When I was very dumb... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like more dumb, you know, than now, Um, you know, when I was like a teenage kid. Yeah. When I was like 16 debating people at work about abortion. When you had just you you had the world figured out. Yeah. By the tail. I had just watched Zeitgeist and I was like all over it. I thought I knew everything. Fucking sheeple. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I had no problem running my mouth then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you want an opinion about something? What do you want to talk about? Uh, But now I am very reserved because i'm like well i need to get evidence for this you know i need to i need to pull a study hang on you know um because i i also think it's important (laughs) i also think it's important to be like that though especially if you're putting information online so don't trust me too much though that might put too much people might put too much trust in me and what i share now again you're just now you're just you're (laughs) furthering the thing all right well that was good thanks for sharing that Uh, i love you you are welcome sir what is happening? I don't know. I'm all excited now. Yeah, you it's are. Probably the hunger. The hunger for knowledge? No food. I'm so <laughs> hungry. Stalemocracy. <laughs> Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as I'm sure you know, John McCain died at, on Saturday, age 81. Rare form of brain cancer, aggressive form of brain cancer. And I'm not going to eulogize John McCain, but there are a few things I want to say. I did a video today about it. I don't always talk about the videos I make, but I want to talk about some of the comments 
on YouTube. Very black and white. Zero nuance with these people. He's a warmonger. Fuck that guy. I'm glad he's dead. I wish he would have been killed by the North Vietnamese. All kinds of shit like this. And I guess I want to ask a question or, or, or make a statement. Wouldn't it be great to live in a world that's so black and white that it's just easy to figure everything out? To live in that world that war is never, ever necessary. There's never a justification for the, the use of military might. Seems like it'd be a lot easier world to live in where every decision is made for you. There's never a choice that, that you have to str struggle with because it's so black and white, right and wrong. There's never gray. Well, that's not the world I live in. And that's certainly not the world that John McCain lived in. John McCain has admitted many times to his many mistakes, his many failings as a leader. At one point in time, I didn't like John McCain because I thought he was too liberal. As I've grown and evolved in my political philosophy and understanding of things, now he's too conservative for me. But knowing John McCain as I did, and I did know John McCain. I had several, several moments with John McCain. Dozens of times where I interacted with, spoke with, whether it be riding an elevator or having a conversation with him on the floor of the Senate. He was a genuine man who cared about his country, who served his country. Maybe not in the way that you would have served your country, or maybe not in the way that you did serve your country. Or are serving your country. But a man should be applauded for that. The man should be respected for that which he did. And uh, it, it bothers me today. Especially when Donald Trump did what he did. The flag initially was lowered to half-mast. And then immediately raised a bipartisan, well, we'll talk about it. But Donald Trump is just just a, a fucking child. It is unbelievable. Before you go on, I want to say, I think it is interesting how there was this divide that happened on social media where vigorous Trump supporters didn't care about John McCain dying when ordinarily you'd think that they would honor yeah. um, someone with his military background. And the like extreme liberals uh, also joined them yeah. in their hatred and contempt for John McCain. And I thought that was really interesting, although it wasn't surprising. I can understand why liberals don't appreciate John McCain and his tendency to enter into war very quickly and support war and um, all of the other policies that he supported that oppress people and, and, and things like that. But there are aspects of him that you can recognize that are probably good 
right? Yeah. That other Republicans should probably be looking to to follow today, like being able to reach across the aisle and thinking outside of the party, not just going down the party line and trying to identify what it is that is the Republican thing to do, but maybe trying to think about what the best thing is to do. Yeah. Well, it just saddens me to think that Donald Trump has poisoned, so poisoned our political dialogue in this country that we are retroactively applying it to a man who spent his career reaching across the aisle and trying to work with Democrats to do good for the country. You can't apply the Donald Trump standard to to John McCain. You want to apply it to, to Rand Paul? Go ahead. He's a fucking sellout. Even if you want to apply it to John McCain's good friend, Lindsey Graham, eh, I'm more okay with that than I used to be. But John McCain stands alone as a man who tried bipartisanship. He tried to pass campaign finance reform with a Democrat from Wisconsin, Russ Feingold. He tried to do things with health care and education with Ted Kennedy from Massachusetts. He tried. It matters to honor a man who deserves honor. Whether you agree with his military record or not, whether you agree with the justifications or lack thereof for having gone into Vietnam, He was taken prisoner for five and a half years and tortured for five and a half years. He was offered the chance to leave early because his father was a a Navy admiral. And his father's father had been a Navy admiral. And they offered to let John McCain go. And he refused because there were still men there under his quote-unquote command. Because there is a hierarchy even when taken prisoner. He's worth celebrating. This clip is Rick Wilson, who was John McCain's campaign manager, reading the final thing that John McCain wrote that he wanted read to the American people. This is a message from John McCain, the last thing he wrote. I'd like to um, now move off of uh, the, uh, the schedule. Uh, I will uh, remain available uh, for uh, some uh, questions uh, as we, uh, as after we end. But I've been asked to <clears throat> uh, do one final thing, and that is, um, <clears throat> as John McCain faces mortality, He asks that a letter that he has done be read. This will be somewhat difficult. So if you'll bear with me, these are John's uh, final words. And the families ask that we present these to you today. There will be copies um, put out by the Senate office shortly after this event. These are John's words. My fellow Americans, whom I have gratefully served for 60 years, and especially my fellow Arizonians. Thank you for the privilege of serving you and for the rewarding life 
that service in uniform and in public office has allowed me to lead. I've tried to serve our country honorably. I've made mistakes, but I hope my love for America will be weighed favorably against them. I've often observed that I am the luckiest person on earth. I feel that way even now as I prepare for the end of my life. I've loved my life, all of it. I've had experiences, <clears throat> adventures, friendships, enough for 10 satisfying lives, and I am so thankful. Like most people, I have regrets, but I would not trade a day of my life in good or bad times for the best day of anybody else's. I owe the satisfaction to the love of my family. One man has never had a more loving wife or children he was prouder of than I am of mine. And I owe it to America, to be connected to America's causes, liberty, equal justice, respect for the dignity of all people, brings happiness more sublime than life's fleeting pleasures. Our identities and sense of worth are not circumscribed, but are enlarged by serving good causes bigger than ourselves. Fellow Americans, that association has meant more to me than any other. I lived and died a proud American. We are citizens of the world's <clears throat> greatest republic, a nation of ideals, not blood and soil. We are blessed and are a blessing to humanity when we uphold and advance those ideals at home and in the world. We have helped liberate more people from tyranny and poverty than ever before in history, and we have acquired great wealth and power in the progress. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment and hatred and violence in all the corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down, when we doubt the power of our ideals rather than trust them to be the great force for change they have always been. We are 325 million opinionated, vociferous individuals. We argue and compete and sometimes even vilify each other in our raucous public debates. <clears throat> but we have always had so much more in common with each other than in disagreement. If only we remember that and give each other the benefit of the presumption that we all love our country, we will get through these challenging times. We will come through them stronger than before. We always do. 10 years ago, I had the privilege to concede defeat in the election for president. I want to end my farewell to you with heartfelt faith in Americans that I felt so powerfully that evening. I feel it powerfully still. Do not despair of our present difficulties. We believe always in the promise and greatness of America because nothing is inevitable here. Americans never quit. We never surrender. We never hide from history. We make history. Farewell, fellow Americans. God bless you and God bless America.
a lot of that is very, very powerful. A lot of that everybody can find some value in. That we weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment and hatred and violence in all the corners of the, of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down. When we doubt the power of our, our ideals rather than trust them to be the great force of change they have always been. John McCain. And yet Donald Trump refused to even answer a simple question about his heroism and about his service today. The president of the United States failed to mention anything about the passing of John Sidney McCain. And we have more tape. This was moments ago. Thank you very much. Nothing. Nothing. CNN White House correspondent Abby Phillip is with me now. I almost, I don't have words. And obviously the president doesn't either. Apparently, Brooke, for the third time, just today alone, President Trump has declined three opportunities, three separate times, declined to answer questions from reporters about John McCain. He declined to give any statement at all. So far, Brooke, it's really important to note that President Trump has actually not said anything positive about McCain himself. He offered sympathy to McCain's family in that tweet, a two-sentence tweet sent over the weekend from his Twitter account, uh, but no words of praise about McCain himself, no words about his decades of service in the United States Senate, about his, uh, his service to the country in the military. The president has, as you pointed out, remained silent. Now, it's not clear why that is, but except for the fact that President Trump has held on to what appears to be a longstanding grudge against McCain that dates back many years, including at the campaign when he uh, claimed that McCain wasn't a war hero because he was captured during the Vietnam War. But given the opportunity to put that aside, the president still hasn't. The White House hasn't answered questions about why the flags here behind me at the White House remain at full staff, uh, despite what we know to be a letter sent from Republicans and Democrats in Congress asking for the flags to be lowered until McCain is laid to rest. That request hasn't been answered. No requests about the explanation have been answered from uh, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders or any others in this building behind me. Meanwhile, we're waiting to see what this White House will do uh, when it comes to M Senator McCain's funeral arrangements. So far, uh, we're hearing from our sources that First Lady Melania Trump is not expected to attend. Uh, she did attend on the president's behalf when Barbara Bush uh, died earlier this year, but so far, no plans on her part to attend. Uh, and it's not clear how the White House is, is planning on dealing with this. This is clearly a moment when the country is mourning someone who is widely regarded to be an American hero and the president refuses to say one positive word. 
Well, it's also, I mean, he served for so long as a Republican senator. So yeah. there's a Republican president. You'd think that there would be more <laughs> praise going on, but they yeah. didn't get along. They did not like each other. And this is something that I think liberals can recognize and praise him for, but it's also been a point that they're using to criticize him by saying, well, John McCain's choice of Sarah Palin gave rise to this kind of populism that resulted in Donald Trump. Like, that's where it started, right? I I believe that's true, but... That's hindsight. John McCain didn't fucking know that's what's going to happen when he when he had that dummy be his VP nominee. Well, you can also argue that he was one of the few that tried to and remained consistent in pushing back against Donald Trump. Yeah. How many people started in that place during the campaign? During the election. Many, many, many. Saying that he was a terrible person. He's a liar. Almost everybody did. And now they're cozy with him. Yeah. Very few people remained steadfast in fighting against him and saying that he is a ridiculous person. So Donald Trump crossing his arms and pouting when being asked questions about John McCain also threw a temper tantrum in the form of flag raising and lowering today. And they they did. Th- th- that clip you just heard was while the flag was was not when the flag was all the way to the top of the pole. This is after they they lowered it, and only because of the outrage from many groups, including veterans groups. Just in from the White House, the White House once again lowering the flag above the White House to half staff, and the president now releasing a new statement. His first. Direct comments about the senator personally. CNN's Abby Phillips joins us now from the White House. So, Abby, what did the president have to say in this statement? Well, hi, Jim. Uh, This just in from the White House after a day of controversy about why the White House flags remained raised, even though there was a request by a a bipartisan group of senators to lower them. The White House has now issued a statement addressing John McCain specifically. I will read it to you uh, in its entirety. It says, despite our differences on policy and politics, I respect Senator John McCain's service to our country and in his honor have signed a proclamation to fly the flag of the United States at half staff until the day of his interment. I've asked Vice President Mike Pence to offer an address at the ceremony honoring Senator McCain at the United States Capitol this Friday. At the request of the McCain family, I have also authorized military transportation of Senator McCain's remains from Arizona to Washington, D.C., military pallbearers and band support, and a horse and caisson transport during the service at the United States Naval Academy. Finally, I have asked General John Kelly, Secretary James Mattis, and Ambassador John Bolton to represent my administration at the services. Now, this is the first time, uh, Jim, since Saturday, since John McCain died, that President Trump has directly addressed the senator himself. He initially put out a statement about two sentences long that offered his condolences to the McCain family, but didn't address McCain at all, leaving it to First Lady Melania Trump to say uh, that that McCain was honored for his service to the country. Now, after days of, of this back and forth, the White House has now lowered the the flags above the White House behind me, uh, after people raised this question, why has it taken so long for them to do that in response to those requests? The president actually did not answer several requests from reporters today uh, asking him to comment on McCain five times. So here we are, Jim, uh, the White House finally moving to correct what seems to be a, a major misstep on their part. 
All in the service of his base. A day late and a dollar short, just like when he disavows white supremacists. And where are the cowards in Congress? Where are the cowards in the Senate who were longtime colleagues and friends, supposedly, of John McCain? Fucking crickets. They all need to be calling out this president for his childish, grudge-filling behavior. Because it's disgusting and it dishonors the office of President of the United States. Did you see what Jim Inhofe said? Yeah. About McCain? Yeah. That he's partially to blame for the White House flag situation because... Because he was mean to Donald Trump. He disagreed with the president. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess Jim Inhofe, by the way, uh, I have heard on multiple occasions telling racist jokes in a Senate elevator. So fuck that guy. You heard it here first. That is personal reporting from Jesse Dollamore. Yeah, that's not allegedly. On the scene. Heard it with your own ears. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I did. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm so, just I'm just clarifying. Again, so fuck that guy. So anyway, um listen, there's probably going to be people that vehemently disagree with you. That is okay. And that's actually we've already like been seeing that because you did a YouTube video on John McCain. Yeah. And there are people who are going to disagree and that's totally fine. I think the important thing is to disagree respectfully. And I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, but I understand people feel passionately about war and um, innocent people dying. I, I, I totally get that. For sure. Yeah. So I get that too. So if you do disagree and you do call in, we would love to hear from you. Uh, just try not to call us cucks. <laughs> if you could, I know it's hard. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it. At dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Jackie Carroll, a resident of Gresham, Oregon. Jackie Carroll, a resident of Gresham, Oregon. Correct. <laughs> And I want to give a shout out to Jillian in San Francisco who pointed me to this story by way of a what would you do uh, hidden camera show clip. Oh, that's with uh, John Quinones. Yeah. So if you don't know what that show is, it films people in uncomfortable situations and films how they react and then talks to them. And you typically know when they have behaved badly because their face is blurred. And in this particular, (laughs) uh, in this particular clip, Jillian showed me uh, a woman who was checking out using food stamps and she was $12 short in purchasing the fruits and vegetables that she had on the conveyor belt. And the premise of what would you do was the cashier start shaming her. Right. So the, the cashier and the woman with the food stamps or wick in this case, um, they're actors. Yes. And everybody else is not. And it's kind of to see what the general public, how they'll react. Right. When faced with these, in this case, very real world scenario, because this was based on something that really happened. Yeah. So this happened at an Albertsons in Oregon where a woman was checking out using as you said, WIC coupons, women's inf- women, infant, and children. Um, and she was $12 short 
for the fruits and vegetables that she wanted to buy. And so Jackie Carroll, taking care of biz, steps in and says, well, I'll, I'll pay. I have $12. I'll pay for the fruits and vegetables. No problem. And the cashier says, no, you're not paying for yeah. her. And goes on to talk about how she's getting enough free stuff. Wow. She's getting her groceries for free. She doesn't need someone to take care of her. The woman using WIC coupons was a black woman. It's relevant because of what I'm getting ready to say, what the cashier told her. Quote, that's why they have babies. So they're getting all the free stuff. Now, Jackie Carroll says she doesn't know if she was specifically being racist in that comment, but that she doesn't know who she's referring to when she says, quote unquote, they. Right. Right. Um, so this cashier shamed this woman so badly that she left her groceries and walked out of the store. She took the ones she was able to pay for, left the $12 worth. Because, well, because the cashier would not let another, um, shopper. Jackie Carroll. Yeah. Would not let Jackie Carroll pay. Yeah. She told her no. Said no. Yeah. And they argued about it. And then apparently she went up to the cashier afterward and said, you know, like, what's the deal? Are you trying to prevent me from buying groceries from someone you know is trying to scam the system? And the cashier said, no, it's just that they get this for free and you, they don't need your help. They're getting it for free. Let them work it out themselves. I'm sure Albertsons really loves when a when a, one of their employees talks some or refuses to let someone ring the register and give them money. Right. Right. Um, Albertsons released a statement saying they, quote, sincerely apologize for what happened. Quote, at Albertsons, we have a policy and a culture of treating our customers and each other with courtesy, dignity and respect. It's at the core of who we are as a company and member of this community. While this isolated situation is still under investigation, we are taking this opportunity to remind all of our employees that each and every customer is a welcomed guest in our stores. So... John Quinones did uh, this episode of What Would You Do? And it was pretty interesting. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Yeah. But it was interesting because it mirrored this exact moment. Right. And it was interesting to watch what people do. They showed a lot of people stepping up mm-hmm. and chewing a little piece of that uh, cashier's ass. Mm-hmm. The, the actress who, who mm-hmm. played the cashier. Um, but then there was also some people who were uh, in their own way... Tr- quote unquote trying to help but mm-hmm. still saying some pretty horrible shit mm-hmm. it was weird yeah and i i think this is a good reminder to everybody that if you have the privilege if you have the power you can step in yeah and you should step in for people that are being berated and abused in public that are not in positions of power that can't speak up for themselves and I, I really appreciate that Jackie Carroll, this real woman who really tried to step in yeah. and support this person. Um, it's a real life. What would you do? Right. <laughs> that she made the right choice. And she tried to defend this woman, even though the cashier was very unreasonable. But I also want to say Wick, and this doesn't really matter because anyone on government assistance should not be turned away or treated badly or shamed. None of no. that. Um, but Wick... They have a very strict uh, purchasing agreement. You you can only buy certain things. You can't buy soda. You can't buy sugary cereals. It's nutritious yeah, food. Right. Fruits and vegetables, whole grain cereals, whole grain bread, milk, eggs. You ha- There's like an approved list of food and you can't go outside of that list. 
I don't know. Those people are living large on the multi-grain Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So this woman, this cashier, she took food from the mouths of babies and children. That's, yeah, what, that's she exactly did because, what she did. Because WIC is for um, pregnant mothers, breastfeeding mothers, and mothers who have had their babies, and babies and children up to age five. That is who can yeah. can receive benefits from the WIC program. And she wasn't taking sugar smacks out of their mouth no. or Fruit Loops. No. She was taking literally like Special K or Total or, in this case, Fruits. And vegetables. Yeah, and you can go look up. Uh, the, you can go look up the food list. They literally have a certain amount of sugar, like grams of sugar, that can be in the cereal. Yeah, and if it's too many grams of sugar, that cereal is not covered. Yeah, you looked at it, and like it was. Um, what's the oatmeal? The the guy the the, the Quaker because he's a Quaker. Yeah, they had the, just taken a Quaker. Yeah, because I had like list. strawberries or something in it. Like that oatmeal's no good. You have to have the dirt kind. <laughs> The, t- the kind that makes you want to kill yourself because it tastes so shitty. So it's actually, it's tragic, right? Because this is kind of how people want to run food stamps as well. Yeah. They want to say, no, you shouldn't be able to buy steak, even though steak is nutritious. Yeah. And you shouldn't be able to buy seafood, even though seafood is very nutritious. Why wouldn't you want a child who has a developing brain to eat delicious salmon? Yeah, because they look at as, at steak as, oh, that's like Fruit Loops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just... It's any excuse they can they can make to take food out of the mouth of poor people, uh, especially if they're on public assistance. Yeah, so it doesn't matter that WIC, you can only buy nutritious food. It doesn't matter what she would have been buying. If, if she, she had $12 of, uh, I don't know, what what's a food that someone would not like her buying? A delicious New York steak, okay? Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. She shouldn't be treated that way. She's That's a human exactly being. Right. It doesn't matter. She needs food. And she needs food for her children, and she shouldn't be treated bad in an Albertsons in Oregon or also, anywhere else. It's none of that lady's fucking business. Her business is ringing the register, not shaming customers for whatever reason. So Jackie Carol Carol taking care of biz. Mm-hmm. Good times. Mm-hmm. Bringing me back to childhood, and you too. We've talked about it for sure. <laughs> Being embarrassed with the food stamp. Is it gonna be cash? Or food stamps. <laughs> that was my life. Right. That was my life. So I, I've been there. Right on. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you've been there, and we are now here at the end of the program. <laughs> oh, look at that! Thank you for joining us, everybody. We appreciate your your loyalty, your listenership. We appreciate your dissent. Again, we'd like to hear from you. Six five seven. I mean, not necessarily all dissent. We also like you know the good feel stuff. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We'd love to hear from you about that last bonus episode we did with Marissa Baradaron. We had a real good time talking to her, and we'd uh, we'd like to to mix it up with you about that. So this has been episode four hundred forty two. We'll see you on the other side with four hundred forty three. We love you. We appreciate you. And until then, for Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollimore. This has been I Doubt It. Oh, I can explain it using apples. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I'm the worst.